0: Good morning, Orangewood. Good to see you. Good to see. I love the energy. Kids have a great time. You're going to miss a great sermon. I want you to know. What a great time of worship this morning, right? Isn't it good to worship? I, I was telling. I was telling Jack before the service, as we uh, were sitting in the uh, preview time, I was, I was listening to them practice and get ready for y'all. Uh, it was, uh, I said, Jack, you, you hit it with every every one of the songs hits where I'm going in the text. I think the Holy Spirit must be at work. It's a good thing. We're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Mark this morning, uh, but before we do that, why don't we just quickly bow our heads and hearts in prayer once again? Let's pray. Our great God, we are thankful to be able to come into your presence, what a joy it is to stop the regular flow of our life to, as you said, have a, have a Sunday Sabbath to take, take some time away and focus on what's really important. You, you and the body of Christ and what you're doing in our midst and what you have done and what you want to do. And as your people to stop and, and hear your voice. And what a privilege it is to be able to come into your presence and to worship you, the God who is, the God who was, the God who is to come, the God who is eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. And we come and we worship you today. You are kind and merciful. You are loving and we, we've confessed our sins to you because you have been the one to provide everything we need to be in a relationship with you through sending your son, Jesus. So our Lord Jesus, we honor you and praise you for being the the, the Messiah, the Savior. We ask now that as we are in your presence, as we unpack some of the words that you spoke over 2000 years ago, as you walked this planet, we ask that you would give clarity uh, to our hearts and minds through your spirit, because you're here. And so we ask that through your spirit, you would speak to us right now. As our brothers and sisters fly back from Greece right now, we're thankful for their ministry. We pray for every one of of them and our brothers and sisters in Athens and that whole area there. And we just thank you for what you did and what you will continue to do in that great city. But we pray your power would be seen here and now. And so we come into your presence. We We ask for your presence. We pray for the one who teaches that you would forgive him his sins and use one who is finite to communicate your infinite truth for this morning we come and hear from you for we pray in jesus name amen well as i said this morning we are continuing our series in the gospel according to mark great book in the new testament what a privilege to be able to study god's word to have joe and mark and chuck preach from it to be a part of that that flow it's a it's a great text and the text we have today in mark uh, is it, going to be talking about everyone's story, our story. So let me ask you, what's your story? What's your story? How you doing? Everybody brings stuff into this place. I would love to pass the mic real quick and get everybody's story. How you doing? Good, bad, up, down. Yeah. How you doing? What's your story? Uh, because we all have a story and, uh, and, and maybe, maybe I'd ask the questions, what words uh, define your life right now. Two words come to my mind as I think about my life right now. One of them is full. Busy, yeah, but full. It's good, it's a good full. It's, the other is complicated. I mean, I, you know, do you feel that? I mean, do your life feel full? Does your life feel complicated? My life feels complicated in some respects right now. Uh, you, one of the uh, glorious complications is that my daughter is gonna be married in December. Now you're saying you're the dad. You're not doing anything. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm doing the service. Okay. Now I can't mess that up. So I'm going to walk her down the aisle and do the service. Now I'll tell you how that works after it works. If it works, uh, there it is. But, but that, you know, but that's good. Actually, that's all good. Cause I'm not losing a daughter. I'm gaining a son in the process. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, it's going to be, a, but, but that's my story. And, And 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 our stories vary. Everyone in here has a slightly different nuance to what's going on in their life right now. But the text that we're gonna look at that I'm gonna read in just a second really does unpack in an amazing way and an uncanny way everyone's story. And the elements that are in this text will, will apply to you will apply, do apply to me. So let me read it and then we'll unpack it because it's an amazing text. Mark chapter five, verses 21 through 43. This is God's holy word. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side of the sea of Galilee, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at Jesus' feet, at his feet, and he implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he, Jesus, went with him. But overhearing uh, that they said, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he'd entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is God's holy word. Praise be to God. What a great text. I love this text. And uh, scholars tell us in Mark, and by the way, you need to understand that so many people criticize the New Testament and they say, you know, this was written by fishermen. It's crude. This, I'll tell you what, Mark is one The Gospels, the New Testament is is a well-written book by different authors. Mark is a master here at crafting the stories. Mark does here what he does in many places in the Gospel of Mark, is that he'll introduce one story, then bring in another story, fold that story into the middle of that story, and then wrap that story up together, coming back again. And that's not easy to do. I couldn't do it. I can teach it, but I can't write like that. And so this is really an amazing story in Mark. He starts with one story about Jairus. He brings in the woman and then comes back to Jairus. It's powerful. And and, and we're going to learn some powerful things uh, uh, about Jesus. The key is how both of these two people related to Jesus. And before I do that, before the sermon actually, I wanna give you some introductory comments, okay? I wanna give you actually the sermon before the sermon because this is a good point. We're at chapter five in Mark and I wanna do a little review about Jesus uh, and, and what we learn about Jesus even up to this point, incredibly relevant for all of us. And so I, I, I wanna look at, he really truly is the man for all seasons. and so. Are you ready for this? This is going to be fast. This is just introductory stuff. This is not the sermon, okay? But this is really good stuff. First thing I want you to note about Jesus up to this point that we see in this text, but we also see in in the gospels is that he is busy and he works a lot. Jesus is busy and he works a lot and we see his life. There was a measured pace to his life, but he was busy. He worked a lot of hours. He did a lot of things. He was around a lot of people. Does that sound like your life? If your life is busy, Jesus understands you. If your life is full, if it's complicated, Jesus understands you because he lived that kind of life, a complicated life with people and events and changes and, 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 and work, and work is good, isn't it? Amen. Work is good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's Sunday, you're not thinking about work, are you? I, I wonder how many of you have checked, what, don't raise your hand. How many of you have checked one email here about what's happening tomorrow? Okay, I know, I know, many of you, right? We think about work. Jesus worked a lot and work is good. Work is a creation ordinance. Work took place before the fall. That's important for us to remember because sometimes we think we have to work because Adam sinned. No, work is is a gift to us to be a part of the process of unpacking and tending and caring for the world in which God has given us. So work is good, but Jesus, Jesus does a couple of things differently about work. Real quick, what he does is he works out of his identity, not for his identity, big difference. He worked out of his identity, not for an identity. And too many of us forget who we really are in Christ. We forget that we're deeply beloved, redeemed sons and daughters of the most high God. And so we see our work and our workplace as a place to gain an identity. However many sales I get, however many successful awards I get, however uh, I I get promoted, then my identity goes up. Now Jesus, Jesus models working out of his identity as the son of God and savior of sinners. And so he does life differently. He's not a, he's not a consumer, but he's a producer. He's a producer, not a consumer. Uh, He is produced. And by the way, his focus is people, isn't it? Jesus didn't own anything, but he was building people. He was here for people. He came to redeem people. So the first thing we see about Jesus up to this point is that he, he worked a lot and he understands the busy life, but he did work differently. Then the second thing is he was, he was versatile, very versatile, uh, and he, he could hang out with Men, women, children, crowds, individuals, rich people, poor people, sick people, healthy people, arrogant people, humble people. He's so versatile. And that convicts me because I kind of have my little world that I like. And when my world doesn't work out, I get frustrated. Do you ever get frustrated like that? Jesus is so versatile. And then he has a great heart. He's, He's going someplace And Jairus comes running up to him and says, my little daughter is sick. Will you come? And Jesus says, let me check my daytimer. Let me check. Gets out his phone. No, of course. And then the lady shows up and and interrupts him and he turns his attention to her. he's, He's versatile. He's got a big heart. I think sometimes we forget that about Jesus. How big his heart is for people just like us. And 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 then he's flexible, too. See now, this is hard. This is hard. He's flexible. I do you like inter, don't don't answer because you may want to keep this under the hat. Do you like interruptions? Some of you can handle interruptions really well, and some of you are laser focused people. When you get interrupted, I've confessed this in before. That's I struggle with interruptions. Jesus. Reminds us that maturity and flexibility go hand in hand. I I think the other thing I want you to say, this is the fifth point if you're keeping. I know you're not, but that's okay. He overlooked petty insults. I love this. This is what, see, I can't bring this up in the text of the sermon or the flow of the sermon. So I'm going to bring it up here. He overlooked petty insults. Where you say, where was the petty insult? The petty insult was from one of his disciples. Did you pick it up when I read the text? Jesus walking along and, and the lady touches him. And what does Jesus say? Who touched me? And what do the disciples say? Jesus, you're in a crowd. Jesus, it's, it's kind of like what my kids would say to me when they think I do something incredibly stupid, my grown kids. Dad, it's good. Jesus, you got people all around you. And you say, who touched me? Yeah, that's what went on here. And, and Jesus just overlooks it. I like that because sometimes we're too insecure and we can't overlook the petty insults. Let me tell you, the pastor that you guys are looking for will be able to overlook petty insults, right? Because if he's not, he's not gonna last long. We have all gotten petty insults like that. I told you about this a time when I preached too long and the lady came up afterwards, patted my hand and said, sometimes the shorter sermons are the better ones. Petty insult. Notice that happened maybe 15 years ago. I will never forget it. I've overlooked it. I've overlooked it. Uh, Jesus overlooks the petty insults here. He lived out of his priorities. One of the things that we need to see about Jesus is that he didn't go everywhere. People wanted him to go. He didn't heal everybody who wanted to get healed by him. He lived out of his priorities. He knew when to say no, and he had boundaries in his life. And some of us lack that. We want to be people pleasers all the time so we can never say no. And we don't have any boundaries in our life. If you've been in a good counseling program, you know that boundaries is a big issue. Jesus had them. And then finally, I want you to know that Jesus was bold and called people out. I love that. He was assertive. He was assertive. He had a GER factor to him. Jairus didn't have faith. Jesus says, have faith. He wants to know who touched him. He said, who touched me? He called, out, called her out, this poor lady. And uh, when the mourners were, Jesus goes where the little girl is and the mourners say she's dead. He says, they're not dead. Get out of here. Jesus is assertive. And you want an assertive savior. You don't want somebody who's so passive that he's not going anywhere. This, this is the man for all seasons who is not just the man, but he's the God man. He's the man you can give your life to because he's our savior and Lord. And these are just things that we see about Jesus that show us that he is the way, the truth, the life. And we can build our life on him here and hereafter. Now that was just the introduction, okay? That was just the introduction. Here we go. I know what time it is. I'm not going to go over. I got three points for you. From this text, I got it's, it's going to go quick. So And, and if you're if you want to have roast pastor for lunch today, you say, we had a seven point introduction and a three point sermon. This is not fair. It really isn't, but here it is. So let me unpack this with Jairus and the lady, and it'll be quick because the the first point really is, is quite simple. It's this, what we learned from this encounter with Jesus and Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue and the lady that has that uh, internal bleeding uh, what we see is that everybody gets hurt this this is everyone's story isn't it that everyone in life gets hurt in some way at some time with some hap it, you will get hurt that's the world in which we live from genesis we see it's a fallen world isn't it it's a broken world and you will get hurt there's a lot of jagged edges in life this world has a lot of jagged edges and you're going to get cut at some point. You're going to get hurt at some point, And that's just the way I made a list this morning. I, I, I've, I've got, a, I've got friends who've lost their children. I've got a, a friend, a couple I know that are going through a divorce. I never thought that would happen. A friend that was fired from his job recently. By the way, if you've never been fired, you've missed out on something really good. It's hard, but it's good. I have a friend in the hospital, surgery tomorrow morning. They're going to take out significant internal organs from this guy. And I hope he lives. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, a couple down the street that just lost their 30-year-old son. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets cut. Don't be shocked, right? And why are we so shocked? Uh, and so what I, I want to say at one level, every, the, this, this story, the Gyrus is about ready to lose a daughter. And this woman's been sick for, for, for 12 years. Uh, everybody gets cut. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody gets in pain. And there's, there's no respecter of persons here. Look at this. In the text, it's fascinating. Gyrus has a name. Talk to me. Does the woman have a name in this story? Nope. She's no name. We don't even know who she is. Uh, Jairus has a high position. Does this woman have any position that we know of? Nope. They're complete opposite. She has no position that we know of. She's a non-person really Uh, because of his position. How does Jairus connect with Jesus? He comes up to him. He's the president, the ruler of the local synagogue. So he's got power. He's got face. He comes right up to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you help me? What does this lady do? She has no power. She has no power. She has no power or no standing in the community. So she sneaks up the side, touches the hem of his garment. That's the way it is. So what we, what we learn from this is everybody gets hurt. The rich, the poor, those with high status, those with no status, everybody gets hurt. And, and, and that's something that we should keep in mind and learn from. And students, you need to understand this. As We're Christians. We love Jesus. He saved us from our sins. But this world is broken. And everybody's going to get hurt. Life is good. The t-shirts say, I know. And on the backside, they ought to say, they ought to say, and life is hard. Like the song, it's tough, right? Don't get cynical on me. Don't become negative, but be realistic because everybody gets hurt. Now, what do we do with that? The fact that everybody gets hurt, what do we do with that? Well, one, one application on the fact that everybody gets hurt is simply to understand that we have the answers for why all this happens. And our ministry, we're going to have a deal in a couple of weeks. And, oh, actually, it's in, in uh, December. We're calling it Skeptics Forum, where I've, been, I've told my guys, invite your skeptics, and we'll deal with some questions, and they can ask me anything they want. And if they can stump me in front of you all, that's fine. It's going to be fun. Um, but uh, the, you see, really, skeptics have no, no answers to the big issues of life. They have ideas, but they have no answers. We have answers. Where does sin come from? We know. We know why the world is bad. We know how it got that way. We know how it's gonna get fixed. We've got answers for these things. I, I love one defender of the faith uh, was speaking at um, University of San Diego. And there's about 400 students there. And he had heard ahead of time that, uh, that a lot of these students think Christians are stupid. And so he, he started out his message this way. He said, I understand many of you think Christians are stupid. Well, some of them are. <laughs> uh, but not, but, but many non-Christians are stupid too. So I don't know how that helps you. What I want to do this evening is to show you that Christianity is not stupid. I love that. We have answers. And, and one of the, I can't wait for the question. Um, why, why can't you believe in the creation of a universe or in the, uh, the coming into being of a universe without a God? And I said, how can you tell me that something comes from nothing? Defend that. They have no answers. It can't stand the law. So we have answers when it comes to sin. And so as a result of that, when we understand where it came from, we can move toward each other and, 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 and we can understand each other. We ought to hate sin because we have answers for where it came from and that this was not the original condition. So let me ask you this. Why do we dabble in sin as believers when we know how hurtful and hateful it is? And yet we do. Temptation's real. And so, because everybody gets hurt and there are traps out there, we got to be careful not to walk into them because we know sin is really hateful and there will be an accounting for it. Then it helps me also to know that everybody gets cut because Job's friends, how did Job's friends interact with Job? the the issues that befell Job, what did they say to him? They said, Job, what did you do? What did you do? Because God would not have judged you unless you did something bad. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? This trial came into your life because you must have sinned. What's your sin? Repent of your sin and it'll get better. Don't do that. Because sometimes, you know, what you sow is what you reap, is that true? Yeah, are there consequences for me making a bad decision? Yes, but is everything bad that happens to a a Christian because I did something bad? Answer, no, we live in a broken world. Bad things happen to broken people. There might be a one-to-one correspondence between my sin or my bad mistake and and what comes, but maybe not. (laughs) There it is, people get hurt. And so we can move toward each other and not feel superior toward one another. Everybody gets hurt. I wrote this in my journal this week. My highest priority in life is not to avoid pain. That's not the Christian's high priority because everybody gets cut in this world. Everybody gets hurt. It's to advance the kingdom, to know the king and to advance the kingdom and to let him be our all in all. And so um, whenever you get hurt, let it humble you like it humbles me. Whenever I make a bad mistake, whenever things happen to me, what, what do we learn from this? This woman was humbled. Jairus was finally humbled. This arrogant man who thought he was going to get God to do for him what he wanted to do just because he was religious. Nope. Bad stuff happens, everybody gets hurt, but we learn also that everybody has to wait. Now, if this isn't compounding the problem, I don't know what is. Because not only does everybody get hurt, and that's everybody's story, but everybody has to wait. And this drives me absolutely crazy. Every, every temperament test I've ever, ta- I've confessed this to you before. Um, every temperament test I've ever taken, uh, and the strength finder shows it, I'm an activator, which means nothing's real unless it's actionable. Action is the only thing that's real. So when's it gonna happen, right? So God, when are you gonna work? Did you catch this waiting? This song we're gonna sing at the very end today is perfect. It's gonna, it's gonna bring this application to home to you, to all of us today. But this is so important. Everybody has to wait. And so, and so some of our pain, some of your pain is chronic pain And some of it is acute pain. It hits now, it hurts. It's now, and it's gotta be dealt with. And and some of it's chronic, like this lady, she's been going on and on for 12 years. Pain is pain. But everybody has to wait for the resolution of the issue. I love that this dad, um, I love that this dad loves his kid, but For crying out loud, Jesus interrupts what seems to be the most important thing. The girl is dying to deal with this lady who had something going on for 12 12 years. That doesn't seem right to me. But then again, he never asked my opinion. Everybody has to wait. Because God has a bigger plan for everything that's going on. Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is tree of life. Whatever your issue. Is it chronic? Is it acute? Pain you're dealing with? Keep praying. Keep living. Keep seeking the only one that can solve your issue, which is Jesus, but, but be willing to wait um, for him. Richard Swenson says that more than 60 uh, million Americans have sleep disorder problems. 27% of Americans fell asleep while driving last year. How does that make you feel? It was just, it was about two weeks ago, my wife and I were going to a dinner appointment and this guy in front of us, two cars in front of us would not move. Did I honk? I don't know, I don't remember. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, the guy in front of me finally got out of his car, went up and knocked on the window. And that guy was asleep at 5.30 in the afternoon. I get that, sort of. Henry Blackaby is a Baptist pastor who wrote Experiencing God. He said this, he said, I spent my life hurrying God I was running around doing all these things and somehow God had to fit into it all. And then God said, Henry, you're not gonna hurry me anymore. You're gonna have to fit into my schedule. Blackaby said it changed everything. Swenson sums it up this way. He says, we're all running, but God's not running after us. He knows that speed does not yield devotion. The presence of God is in inverse proportion to the pace of our lives. Meditation, wisdom, worship are slow and mellow. And deep, some of you are deeply upset that we don't have a pastor yet. I know, I get that. And the team has been doing a great job. Kim, thank you for your report. You did great. Everybody was glad it was you talking up here, not them. You did fantastic. But God's in charge of timing. Write that on a three by five card and put it on your dashboard, you'll thank me. God is in charge of timing, not me, not you. Um, there it is. I love that. You're not going to rush me. Um, active waiting. One of the Psalms that's helped me so much, even as a church planter, your church planter was trust in the Lord and do good dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Wait on the Lord, the psalmist says. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. But wait, wait, wait. No bigger area of discipleship for me than that. So this is everybody's story, right? Everybody gets hurt. Everybody has to wait. But here, lastly, sums it up. And this is is where the gospel comes together. Everybody can have hope. Why? Because Jesus is here. Everybody. Now, these stories both end well, don't they? Jesus goes to the home and kicks out those mourners. By the way, the Jews paid mourners to come in and make a loud noise. So these were neighbors and paid mourners and all kinds of people. And uh, they were mourning for this little girl. Jesus says, get out of here. And he heals that little girl. And that's great. It doesn't get any better than that. And and then, but he's already healed the, the woman. She's healed. She's good. She's got a story. It all ends up good. But let me tell you this. Both of them died again where 2,000 years later, they had to face death again, right? So, uh, so the story ends really, really well, but the hope they had is completely different because now they know Jesus, who is the Son of God and Savior of sinners. And this reminds us uh, of the whole reality that, um, that, that, that hope comes to life, to real life that is broken. <laughs> That's everybody's story. It comes from Jesus, and Jesus is the only one that can fix things. Everyone can have hope because Jesus has come and he is the light of the world. The gospel has implications for hereafter, but every day here, I need grace to get to heaven, but I need grace every day. Don't you? A friend of mine said just for the service, I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not, I'm kind of tired. I'm getting older. I said, I get that. You know, But the reality is, we don't have to be afraid because Jesus has come and he's here right now. Steve Brown, my mentor, has that deep voice and he often will say at the end of his sermons, may we hear the soft, I can't say it as low as he said. may we hear the soft sound of sandaled feet people always say to me, what's he mean by that? What he means is, would we be aware that the Lord of the universe is right around us everywhere? I I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has come. He's here. And when we trust in him, we can deal with In the Skeptics Forum, one of the questions I'm going to deal with is this. The Bible was written to communicate to folks years ago, but much of the content is outdated and it doesn't apply. Oh, really? The Bible is totally relevant to every area of our life, every day. And you know what I, what I realized? Listen, I, my life's as messy as yours. I was up at 3 o'clock this morning, third night in a row, third morning in a row. Because I got issues I'm trying to solve and what I'm doing. Yeah, we, it's all messy. It's all messy for all of us. We all have challenges, right? So, uh, but but what, I, what I was thinking about, about in terms of philosophy and following Jesus is this that philosophy is always, um, human, human made philosophy is always man's contemporary answers to the issues that are going on around him. So he had Aristotle. I know you weren't thinking about this this morning, so I'm, that's why I'm sharing this with you. It'll help you spiritually. Um, Aristotle was there, and then, and then the Greek Empire, and he did this great philosophy, and then the empire began to fall apart. The Greek Empire began to fall apart, and everybody started worrying about it because Rome was on the rise, and all of a sudden, what did we get? Epicureanism, stoicism, skepticism, all of these different philosophies, man-made philosophies to deal with a changing world. With Jesus, what do we have? We have the truth. I am the way, the truth, the life, never change, never ceases to be relevant to everybody's situation because everybody gets hurt. Everybody has to wait, but everybody can have hope because Jesus has come. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the number one thing you need is Jesus. You need a personal relationship with the God of the universe. Yeah. We, and and those of us that have one need to remember that he's here and the soft sound of sandaled feet, he's here. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody has to wait, but everybody can have hope. And so I guess as I wrap it up, I want to say to you today, what, where are you hurting? Where are you cut? Where are you bleeding? What is isn't done that needs to get done? What isn't fixed that needs to get fixed? I know I got a long list too, but he's here, he's good. And the tomb in Jerusalem is empty and you have the risen Lord to lean on second by second. And that's why I need to be in a group with people who will remind me. So I could badger you and say, get in a group, but you can't do this alone. and Neither can I, you say, wow, he really needs Jesus. Yeah. Today and tomorrow. Don't we all? Take it to heart. Let's pray. Lord, we we try to do religion like Jairus did and try to be good and keep the laws, and we can't. We think if we're trying to be good, you'll fix everything and... We won't have any problems, but we will. And then some have given up because they've been hurt for so long they think you don't care, but you do. So if there's someone here today that needs you for the first time to trust you wholly and not religion, then help them to trust you wholly today because you are the King and the Savior. And if there's somebody here who's been following you for a long time, who's gotten a little cynical, thinks you're not working, then Lord, renew their hearts. Renew all of our hearts today. That as we face a new week, we know that the soft sound of sandaled feet are right around us. Because you have come and you are here. We honor you, in your holy name, amen.